Growing up, mixed race, queer and non-binary, never really seeing someone who looked like me or identified as the same things as me in like traditional media growing up and just not knowing that like that was okay. I had been going through a really tough time. Like the folk industry is just full of white faces. If you're not a person of color, you don't think about it. There was a, lo a long time where I was just playing with like indie bands and I did not fit on any lineups at all. Just creating a community of people, making people feel like they're safe and included and all the feelings that I never had growing up, I want to give that to someone else. I think that's helped me create this brand. Hello and welcome back to Sound Advice. I'm joined by Zara Smiles. Zara, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. It's really good to see you. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about your experience as a mixed race queer person in the music industry and how that sort of affects your experience of things. But I think yeah. just to just to start off, how did you sort of get into music in the first place and sort of what's your musical journey a little bit? I remember hearing Adele's Someone Like You um, mm. and wanting to be able to play it on the piano. And so I asked for piano lessons <laughs> and here I am, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. basically, yeah. Um, I did like musical theatre school, like stagecoach um, as well when I was younger and that's sort of where I liked to sing. And I sort of just combined the two together and yeah. And I started playing guitar in lockdown as well um, and I've been writing songs for as long as I can remember. So yeah. yeah, all those kind of fit in together and here I am. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have a story like that. I think, mm. I can't exactly remember mine, but I feel like, hey there, Delilah was one of them. There were like yeah. a load of songs that you just like, I really want to play that. And then you just gets you into it and then you get sucked in, I guess. Yeah. Um, so tell me, just give me sort of an overview of like your career so far as a solo artist. Um, so I've been... Zara Smile for I'd say about six years now. Um, I actually originally released Happy and another song that is not out anymore <laughs> mm. um, under the name just Zara, like in the very beginning of lockdown. Um, and those got removed because they sounded awful production wise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was still learning, to be fair. So. <laughs> um, I've been there, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I was like gigging and I had loads of songs written and in like first year of uni, so about two years ago, I decided to release an EP. Mm. Um, and that took two years, I think, to produce Yeah. in full. Yeah, um, there's a lot of like bumps along the road and I was producing it all myself and my time management wasn't as good back then. Mm. Um, but I released my first single, Happy, in February of last year. Last year, oh my God, that sounds Sounds strange. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I released the EP in May. And since then, I've released two more singles as well. I'm a releasing machine. Releasing uh, machine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just write a song and I'm like, okay, I want to be out right now. <laughs> I like, I, I really like, as you said, as you said, releasing machine, that you, you started really strong and then you were like, releasing machine. Yeah. Did I just say releasing machine? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. I like it, don't worry. <laughs> um, so your latest release from the release machine is yes. um, Spotlight. Can you tell me a bit more about that song and what it's about? Yeah, um, so Spotlight was about growing up mixed race, queer and non-binary and all that fun stuff um, and never really seeing someone who looked like me or like identified as the same things as me in like traditional media growing up. Mm. So like never seeing queer people on like CBBC, for example, um, and just not knowing that like that was okay. I mean, it was definitely due to the time because mm. I think now 
it's a lot more representative. Mm. But yeah, like and like having to find my own communities online, like someone like Tumblr and Twitter, um, which were interesting spaces to be in 2014. Um, yeah, and like how that's like shaped me as a person. Um, yeah, and also like the expectation that like specifically women of color have to be like quiet or expected to be like a certain way. Um, and how that works like in my life now and like how I see like my family members and mm. everyone like acting in certain ways to like fit in with society's expectations. Yeah. Yeah, a lot in the song. <laughs> yeah, about to, well, it's, you, can, you can hear it. It's a really powerful song. Yeah, and I was very angry. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you did mention, I saw on mm. your social media, you mentioned that you wrote um, Spotlight and, was it Happy? Human. Human, that's one, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the same day, and yeah. they both sort of have a similar sort of angry. I don't know why I thought Happy would have the angry vibe, <laughs> um, but they have the similar sort of like anger that you're writing from. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think um, I I don't know what was going on with me that day, but mm. I was I was not happy, Bunny. Um, yeah, and I was just a bit like fed up. I had been going through a really tough time in like January, mm. February last year. And I just reached the end of it and I was like, okay, something needs to change here. And so I wrote Human, which is about feeling rubbish. Um, and then later on in the day, I was thinking about like why I feel rubbish or like the expectations that I was like given um, to like deal with that. And I guess that's how Spotlight was born. Yeah. Do you think, do you often find that sort of writing is like the outlet for you in terms yeah. of how you sort of express like anger and like sadness and things like that absolutely the songs just sort of come out of me like mm. all the songs that i have all the songs that i've released um only one of them has been like a conscious i'm gonna sit down and write this right now yeah the rest of them have just been like i just sort of the lyrics just pop into my head and then yeah do you ever i don't know if this is just me and mm. i feel like other people may have said similar things other people may disagree but yeah do you ever feel like you don't write the songs the songs just sort of arrive like they get transmitted into your head and then you're yeah. like, oh, there's a song and then you sort of finish it. Yeah. And you add the bits that aren't there yet, but. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. That's they just sort about. of like, like arrive in my head and I'm like, okay, this is the yeah. thing that I'm going to do now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know everyone's different, but I always prefer that than sitting down and thinking I'm going to write a song. Absolutely. I yeah. think it sort of comes more from your unconscious and that's almost more true to yourself than what you might write if you were thinking about it yeah and also like i feel like i think of like the most clever metaphors and like little things like um like double meanings and all that kind of stuff yeah like in my subconscious like i'll write something and be like oh that could also mean that and it's yeah like, oh, that's cool i think it just often comes from like things that like stick in your head that you've just like seen out and around like mm. just like a, a couple of people interacting or like you just see you see different things around yeah as you just walk around the town or something and then some things like stick in your head images yeah. anything really yeah absolutely yeah um i was gonna say about um so when when you when you write a song like spotlight that is sort of how you say it's sort of angry at the world and the yeah. way that you feel like you've been underrepresented mm. throughout do you do you feel like um in that case do you feel like you're writing the song as like a means to an end in terms of like you're writing to make to to explain your feelings to yourself in a way? Or do you almost feel like it's more to sort of provide this message to the world and to like evoke change? I think when I first write the song, it's for myself. Yeah. Um, I sort of go through a process of deciding whether I want to project the song to the world or not. Um, mm. And that one felt like it had an important message. So I was like, okay, this will, this might do some good for someone. Um, someone out there who does feel underrepresented and yeah, finds me. Um, 
but yeah it's sort of like I go through like a process of deciding whether I want to whether I want to show anyone else the songs there's some songs mm. that I've never shown anyone um, that I'm quite happy just sitting on yeah they have their day yeah they're waiting and those songs almost I mean I, I, I can't speak for you but do those songs mm. almost like exist as the therapy in themselves of like yeah. certain experiences yeah absolutely yeah um, there are some songs that are just too personal. <laughs> yeah, or too specific, actually, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, some songs that's too, like, yeah. They're going to know. You can't do I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> nah, I get that. Yeah, got to wait a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, is it, like, a very conscious thing to want to... The, the sort of message of your songs that you release to be... Not necessarily all about, like, social change, but sort of yeah. to do with those kind of topics? I guess, yeah. I think I write a lot about it because I think a lot about it. I mean, being in my position, I just existing I am political um and I think a lot of that is reflected in like the way I think and the way I act on yeah. a regular basis um yeah and I feel like I was sort of almost like forced into like a political mindset obviously like I yeah. do enjoy being political and I enjoy standing up for like social rights and stuff mm. um but yeah a lot of like the way that I am is because yeah I was almost like forced into that yeah into that position um so yeah, um, I guess it's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you've so you've touched on similar themes throughout like your discography. Can you tell us a bit more about some of the different songs where you've talked about things that are like, each, why it's like things outside of yourself rather than inside of yourself, I guess. Yeah, so um, my first single, Happy, is about um, actually TikTok in lockdown. Mm. I found myself just scrolling for hours and hours and then found content that was like, oh, we all just seem to be scrolling for hours and hours, but yeah. like, no, no end. Um, and so there's like some like clever little metaphors, if I do say so myself, um, about like uh, dancing in circles, um, mm. like the trend cycles, um, and like all like the TikTok dances that were going around at the time. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's sort of about how like TikTok affects, was affecting all of our brains at that point. Yeah. Um, and the like shared experience of spending like seven hours a day on the app. Yeah, t 2020 TikTok was very weird. I got, I my sister sent me like a TikTok about like 2019 TikTok yesterday. Mm. And it was like all the like reacting to like duets and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so nice. It's so wholesome. <laughs> I, th I think, I think 2020 is like, if I remember rightly, that's when it like really exploded here in the UK yeah. as well. So I think before that, I think bef before that it was musically a thing. Yeah, and it then, became TikTok in 2019. But it still kind of had the musically feel. Yeah. And then and then 2020 just really like exploded it. Yeah, and it had like the deep TikTok and the, do you remember like straight TikTok and alt TikTok? It was yeah, like, yeah. It was that was a whole time. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so I was writing about sort of um mental health another thing that you mm. sort of passionate about yeah absolutely i think just because again they're just on my mind a lot mm. of the time um if i'm feeling crap i'm gonna write about it <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah no it's just sort of like i think it's whatever i'm thinking about at the time yeah whatever seems to be on my mind so i wrote misplaced is a song about my gender identity mm. and like coming to terms with that and i wrote it as i was coming to terms with my gender identity mm. um yeah it's just sort of whatever's going on in my life it's all very like personal stuff yeah, yeah yeah i mean i'm getting and this isn't a bad thing at all but i'm mm. getting just from a lot of the things we've spoken about today that sort of a lot of it comes very naturally and comes almost from your subconscious yeah where absolutely. like say like the aesthetic that you were talking about on yeah. the previous episode and um different things to do with like how you write songs you're mm. not sort of 
you don't try and make art. You no. just sort of you just sort of it happens. Yeah, I think it's all just like come very naturally and even like the content creation stuff, although like that's mm. been more of a mm. conscious thought. It's also come quite naturally because it is just me at the end of the day. My branding is yeah. just it's just mm. me. I am me and I yeah. Um and I make music and that's sort of what I do. I mean, I guess this is very cynical because it's obviously not why you sort of you, you sort of have quite a clear sense of your identity and that mm. maybe partly comes from being marginalised that gives you more of that stronger sense yeah. in certain aspects. But um, I suppose, does that make it easier to brand stuff? Which I, sounds very cynical. No, I, It's not, I obviously get not you. why you would be who you are. Of course yeah, not. But no. like, do you find that that gives you um, a, a route to sort of carve like a unique space for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up mixed race, because um, I'm half Pakistani and half English, um, the difference in cultures is insane. There's so many, like the drinking culture here mm. versus like mm. not drinking, obviously, because Muslim. Um, I kind of had to decide which way I was going to go on like each thing. Um, I think that has like made me very like, also the fact that I'm very much autistic. So <laughs> I like, <laughs> I think I decided like very early on that like this is this is who I'm going to be. Mm. And it might have shifted very slightly, like growing up, but I think I've stayed pretty much concrete in all those in all those decisions. And yeah, yeah. I think that's helped me create this brand because yeah, yeah it's kind of like based on those decisions I made when I was like ten years old. Yeah, I mean, I, you reminded me of I saw this really interesting um, exhibition at Fact like a mm. year ago or so ago, and it was about this um, half Indian, half English woman who, mm. and it was about sort of being caught in this liminal space between between the sort of two identities where she almost yeah. didn't feel like she could connect fully with either. Is that something that you think you've experienced? For years, I kept saying that I just feel like one big gray area because mm. this is a time where I wasn't sure about my sexuality or my gender either. I just felt like I was just like in between everything. Just, yeah, not quite one way or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that sort of, I, I suppose, I suppose that kind of space kind of almost forces you to sort of define define yourself because you yeah. feel you feel in, in limbo a little bit I suppose yeah and I guess like yeah my need to like know which way I was going um yeah that kind of like defined things so like a big thing for me was deciding whether I wanted to drink or not because mm. um like none of my family drank but they they were like if you want to that is fine um and I decided I didn't want to drink um and that was like quite a big decision for me because obviously it's impacted quite a lot yeah. Um, specifically, my bank account is mm. flourishing. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, more flourishing than it would be if I did drink. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's uh, that was like a big decision that I was like, okay, I'm gonna choose to embrace this part of my culture um, in this circumstance, and then I can be a bit bit more lenient on this bit, and then yeah, um, and that, that's kind of like the way I've like figured out. Yeah. Figured out my stuff. Do you do you find it? Um difficult with um with drinking culture and say i mean in the uk in general but especially in the sort of the live music scene because it's something i was speaking mm. to Maxine about it yeah and she doesn't drink either and she mm. was talking about how it could be very difficult when like everyone is at a gig and everyone's got a pint and yeah. then you think you're sort of you sort of feel a bit out of place and you're sort of waiting for that part to end so that you can go and do something else and then someone says let's go to the pub yeah is that ever something that you struggle with um, I think because I've I've never drank ever, um, I've kind of just gotten used to it. So like I'll have 
like a little monster with me, like a monster energy drink. Um, when everyone's drinking their pints, I'll be drinking a monster. Um, I sort of like substituted it in my mind almost. Um, so it's not like a huge deal for me, but I can like sometimes there is like, there's moments where like, oh, like if you went for a pint with this person, like I'm sure they'd like, you know, it's like networking kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and like the like questions as well about it. If someone like makes a big deal out of it, it's always just like, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. I suppose just <clears throat> bringing it to a more sort of general thing in terms of your identity. How mm. how do you think your music, your experiences in the music industry, and I suppose like meeting people, doing gigs, everything it entails, how do you think that's sort of been shaped by your identity? Um, a lot of like the, a lot of what I do in music is platforming other people of colour who are artists mm. as, as well as me um, and speaking about like the issues because like especially the folk music industry mm. um, is really heavily concentrated with white artists um, and like bringing that to light I know Leith Ross said in a TikTok a while back that like the folk industry is just full of white faces um, mm. yeah and sort of like championing other people of colour who are folk artists um, as well as like my own music and talking about it is like important, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that sort of just existing, you feel political. Do you think almost yeah. like you have the similar thing where just promoting your music feels like making a statement? Yeah, absolutely. Not to sound like so pretentious. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but, no, I don't think it is at all. But yeah, it does, it does feel like I'm, I don't know, it feels, <gasps> it feels like I'm doing good Yeah. in the world, yeah. On a very low level, but I'm doing I'm doing something. Well, I mean, it, it, I suppose it doesn't really matter what the level is. If mm. you're just doing what you can and trying to make make the scene and like the music industry in general a more equitable place, and that's always yeah. going to be a good thing, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. A um, lot of it for me is like honing a community of people who are like-minded um, and just finding people who are like me and sort of almost mm. making friends with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like having like a little fan base on TikTok, I'm like, I want to be friends with all my like... With yeah. all my fans, <laughs> yeah. Do you think that sort of, um, it's again, it's, it's, a, it's a cynical point of view. It's not that any of this would be intentional, but mm. do you think it sort of allowed you to sort of connect with people on a platform like TikTok where people people can be inspired by you and connect with you? as And it's almost touching on what you were talking about and what you talk about in Spotlight, where mm. you d never felt like you were represented yeah. in media. And you did say mainstream media, but in media in general, I suppose yeah. that would also be true. And then people can come across your music and what you do and mm. feel represented if they're from those communities. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about like just creating a community of people um, and yeah, making people feel like they're safe and included. And um, yeah, all the feelings that I never had growing up, I want to give that to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's so great about your just platform in general is that mm. you you write about those topics and then you're able to sort of reduce the impact of that on other people yeah. with the community that you can build, which yeah. is an amazing thing. Yeah, I guess it's all about relatability and just mm. connecting with people. Do you think, um, so putting on, you, you mentioned putting on your own events under mm. Smile Promotions. Is that a sort of similar part of wanting to build out a community of like-minded people? Yeah, um, it's uh, mostly about like platforming other people of colour, um, specifically artists of colour and um, yeah, and like folk music as well within the Liverpool scene specifically. Mm. Um, as there are a couple of nights of folk, I've like found the the little like entryway in now. Um, 
but there was a, lo a long time where I was just playing with like indie bands and I did not fit on any lineups at all. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I had to change my set and I was like, what is going on? Like, why, why is this not, why is this music not happening here? Um, yeah. yeah. And I think I've like, with small promotions, especially I've like found my way in. Um, yeah. So I think it's about just giving a platform to like both those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just creating more awareness about it. Cause I think a lot of people, if you're not a person of color, you don't think about it a lot of the time. Like it is a conscious thought. Whereas I will walk into a room and I will like spot people like me, um, yeah. either queer or people of color, um, like immediate as I, as I walk into a room. Um, so yeah, I think it just requires someone talking about it for there yeah. to be changed. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's one of the things I really want to do with this podcast, to be honest, mm. is sort of be able to cover and speak about different people's experiences and yeah. marginalised experiences in the industry and what that means. And also educate myself as well as anyone mm. that might be watching about yeah. these things. Because I think that's a good point that you just made that I, I might not necessarily consciously walk into a room and immediately think to myself about the gender diversity that will be in a room. Yeah. It'd be something that I might like think about consciously afterwards or mm. like at the time, but it might, as you said, something that you would like immediately realize based yeah. on the experiences that you've had, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean like um, the first gig I ever put on my EP release party, the whole lineup was women of color. Um, yeah. And it was just like, it was really cool to just see loads of like women of color artists just yeah. doing their thing, yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, it was a really amazing night. And yeah. I, just, I want to put on more events like that. To, yeah. yeah. I suppose it's kind of, it fits into that whole category of if like there isn't a space for it, you build it yeah. yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think you've been inspired by like, I mean, there's promoters like Bitch Palace mm. and people in the sport that do amazing work like that. Are they sort of people that you've been inspired by in particular? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, just like everyone really around who is championing for more diversity in the scene. Um, mm. Yeah, I just I just love it all. <laughs> Keep <Yeah>. it coming. <laughs> I about to say you did um, you've done some stuff with uh, where are the girl bands as well. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. They were they were my first gig in Liverpool. Oh wow. Yeah, um, yeah. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah. they're a really great organisation. Um, mm. So, how what what do you think sort of Liverpool's local scene can do besides sort of building a space yourself? What mm. do you think Liverpool's local scene can do to be more accepting of people from marginalized backgrounds, do you think? I guess just be aware of it, be aware of what's happening um, and educating yourself. Um, I guess not expecting people of color to educate you about mm. the, the problems going on um, and having like an awareness of, okay, this is what's going on. This is how I can help. Um, yeah, just Googling, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, I hope you don't feel like I've sort of mm sort of been like can you educate me no, on this no, no. but I think it's part of the thing that what well, I do agree that like it's not your like job mm. to educate people but resources like this hopefully yeah, being out absolutely. there will hopefully help and there's something I'm definitely going to try and do yeah. a lot it's more it's like of. an entryway into yeah the whole world of yeah yeah well I mean for both my own personal stuff and just mm. for the general cause I'm sort of hoping that you sort of when you google topics yeah. When you Google this kind of topic, something like this will come up. Yeah. And show like a real conversation about these kind of issues. Yeah, absolutely. What about sort of the wider music industry? Is it just similar things of education or is there anything else? I think so, yeah. I think mm. if people are more educated about it, there'll be more conversations about it. Yeah. Um I think honestly the wider music industry is a is a little bit more diverse than the like yeah. local scene. Um so they're 
probably is conversations about it already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like talking about it and yeah, like yeah. platforming yeah. artists of color. Yeah. I, I suppose you think maybe, so say, say I don't know, Universal, mm. because it's a much bigger organization, there's, mu there's much more diversity within that group. Whereas if you say, for example, just a local promoter in Liverpool, yeah. might be a two person operation at best. Mm. And then obviously in smaller numbers, it's harder to have that diversity that yeah. sort of creates those conversations. Because as you said, it's not something that a lot of people would sort of immediately unconsciously think about. Yeah. And like places like Universal have whole teams for diversity and yeah. inclusion. Um, yeah. And obviously <laughs> that's not something on a on a much smaller scale that you could do. Um, so yeah, just sort of being aware of, of what's going on. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose on a cynical level as well, someone like Universal will have will have like a brand point of view of wanting to appear diverse as well. Whereas yeah. I suppose maybe in the local scene, there's not as well, because as smaller companies mm. maybe aren't as bothered sometimes about yeah. wanting to, wanting to make a real effort towards that. Yeah. Or just not thinking about it, not being yeah. aware that it's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, th I, th I think, I think part of the problem is that a lot of promoters may well think that they have, they have a they have a big enough audience putting on white artists and male mm. artists. They can bring enough people doing that, so it's almost they they might almost see it as a risk to change. But yeah. What I think a lot of them don't realize is that there's like you've been doing and like a lot of artists been doing. Mm. There's people building whole communities. Yeah. Because I think because people who've been underrepresented have often a stronger sense of connection. Yeah, absolutely. Than, than one white man might have to another. Yeah. Because because of the the shared experiences and the things that they've gone through right yeah absolutely yeah definitely um yeah yeah um i, th I suppose the last point if you could if in five years time mm. what is what are you doing with your career or with small promotions or anything like that um what in five years would i like to be doing yeah i suppose yeah um i guess i'd like to just keep doing this basically yeah. keep writing songs keep releasing music potentially going on a tour Ooh. quite exciting um yeah and just like getting support slots for bigger artists is what i'm focusing on now um yeah and just like just having fun with it basically just writing music releasing it yeah 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 awesome. <laughs> yeah perfect answer um well yeah thank you very much for coming on the show really thank enjoyed you. it yeah and thank you for watching <laughs>